Hello, and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson. My mission is to find everyday people who are delightful. The people I interview have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. And I want to give them a platform to share their stories so that others can have hope in the midst of their struggles and see delight in a world that at times can seem gloomy. I will uncover the life experiences of the guests that I interview, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way, with the belief that to understand the light, one has to be acquainted with the dark. My guests will share their personal experiences on finding their way through dark and hopeless times and give us a glimpse into the powerful gifts they received in their darkest hours to rise up, take up hope, and view life through new, hope-filled eyes. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find the light which leads to our greatest delights? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Come Towards Delight, the podcast. My name is Mike Gregson. I'm your host, and excited to be with you for another episode today. And this one, this one is I'm excited about. This is a, a dear friend of mine and, and someone that I look up to uh, immensely. Um, first, I, I just want to say to listeners, thanks so much for for hanging in there with me and and uh, for listening to my podcast. I I appreciate the encouragement and the support. Um, encourage you to leave reviews on Apple Podcast, and uh, I'm not going to ask for great reviews. I just want you to be honest, but I think every review counts. And and if there's anything I can do to improve, let me know. But if you feel like I'm doing a great job, I'd love to hear from you anyway. That just helps me get this this podcast out more. And when you have people like the guest I have today sharing their message, that's all you want is you want people to hear their stories because um, these people in my life have done some things that have made a huge impact on me. Um, anyway, that said, uh, today my guest is Nate Moore, uh, Mr. Nate Moore. And, and I, Nate and I uh, met through our careers uh, with Marriott International. And Nate, when I, when I started in the hotel industry, I kind of went franchise for a bit um, to, to sell some hotels. And, but I always wanted to get back to corporate Marriott, right? Like there's something about Marriott that you just, when you're with the company, you kind of want to be a, a part, a piece of the heart, if you will, because the brand and, and just who, who the company is, it, it, it means so much. It's such an amazing company. And so anyway, I, after kind of working my butt off in, in Provo and Utah County, I, I was able to get the opportunity opened up for, for an opportunity to go back to Mary International um, as a, an area salesperson. And that's where um, I joined Nate's team, if you will. Nate, at that, like just prior to me getting that role, Nate became the market sales leader for the, what we call the Western Mountain Pacific region. And um I, I'll never forget uh, meeting Nate for the first time. It was at the City Creek Marriott downtown Salt Lake. And, and I, I remember after meeting you, Nate, I walked away and I was like, I'm so lucky to have that guy as a leader. Like, first of all, you, you're a younger guy, which is great. And whether you're old or young, that's fine. But like you're a younger guy, you're around my age. But you, you the way you carry yourself and the energy that you have towards life, the optimism that you talk with, um, you're a, you're a leader that always made me believe, like I believed I, I, there, when you asked for certain things like goals or numbers or, you know, the, the nature of business, you have to ask and, and, and put those things out there that aren't the toughest conversation or the easiest conversations. But 
when they came from you, I believed like it, it always came with optimism. It always came with, um, you guys are doing an incredible job, you know, like, like it, it was never, Oh, we're not, you're not doing enough. You're not enough. And, 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 and gosh, who wouldn't want to work in an environment like that, that just makes you feel excited to, to be a part of something so special. So, um, in fact, it got to the point, Nate, where, um, when, when I would, when you would be leaving town after you'd come in and do a meeting and stuff, I'd make sure to run and catch you and give you a bro hug before you go. Right. Like yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's the kind of guy you are to me. And, and, and so anyway, I just, when I started this podcast, I, I kind of made a list of a lot of people that I wanted to get on here. And, um, Nate, you're one of the first people that I thought of. And, and I just, I have nothing but love and respect for you and, and the life that you live. And, and, um, just excited to have you with me today and, and sharing your story and, 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 and we'll get in, we'll, we'll go in from there. So Nate, go ahead and, and just take it away. Tell us about you, your family and, and uh, kind of what your current situation is right now. And we'll go from there. Yeah, sure. And Mike, thanks. That, that was such a great intro. I, I really can't tell you, um, the, the, the feeling is mutual. Um, and, and the team that the teams that you've been a part of, uh, within Marriott, I've always loved too. So it would, I would get on those planes to come see you guys and I couldn't be more excited. I usually bring my basketball shoes, That's and, right. you know, and, and, and try to get a hoops in with you guys too. And I just really thought, um, it, there's, there was always a special bond there too. Not, and it wasn't just with your team. I felt that with all my teams, but, um, I, I really did. There was a, there was a really special bond with us too. So I, I appreciate you bringing me on and thinking of me, uh, for, for this awesome podcast. And, uh, and I couldn't be more honored, uh, to join. So, um, I think it's a wonderful thing and I, I just praise your audience for listening and, and sticking with you and learning. And, um, and hopefully we have a couple a couple words today that resonate, um, in the time that we're in, because I think it is, I think it's a tough time. Um, and hopefully there is some, some optimism that we can bring out of it, even though, even though the time is crazy. Um, but Hey, just a little bit about me for, for the folks that, that don't know that are listening. Um, I'm a dad, uh, I have four kiddos. I have a high schooler, I have a middle schooler and I have two elementary school twins that are in second grade. Um, my wife and I have been together for nearly 30 years. Ooh, um, wait a yeah, second. We, You're only like 42. So how, what, yeah. how did that work? <laughs> yeah. Planned marriage? Well, we started dating in high school. So, uh, yeah. So, we, you know, we've been together for almost that amount of time, which is awesome. I'm a little older than 42, not too much. <laughs> but, um, and, and, uh, we, both of our, both of our parents were in the military. So we had a, uh, we had this, this very strong patriotic bond, um, of service to the country, uh, to one another and just that, that, you know, that ultimate sacrifice, um, that, that you give as a family, as a, because when, when one person serves, everyone serves. Um, so my dad took us around all over the world. We lived everywhere. My wife too. Um, and then we ended up, we ended up in this small little town in in Arizona, um, in high school and we were stuck there together. We kind of moved there within like a year of each other. And then, um, with just being so many of high schoolers in that area, there just wasn't that many. We just started bonding. And then I asked her to homecoming and, uh, and we've been kind of history books ever since. That's and, all um, she wrote for you, huh? Yeah. 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 Awesome. We, I mean, we had, we had some time, a little bit of time off here and there, like in our early twenties, which was probably good, yeah. um, you know, when you look back at it, but we stayed so strong, um, always and, and kind of always knew. Yeah. Before good. we start recording, I asked you where's home. And I mean, as a military kid, you're kind of all over the place, right? Yeah. Funny thing is like when you were saying, I could name a few places, four places or so, um, in my mind, I literally thought, well, home is wherever his wife is. 
it's so it's right. kind of it's kind of funny to put that connection together of the first time you guys ever really went out was actually homecoming. homecoming. That's kind of <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That is good. That's fun. Nice. Nice, Mike. Yeah, so we we uh we did get we ended up getting married obviously and uh and then I was immediately I I joined the army reserves because it just was in my blood. My wife was an army reservist officer as well. Um, I'm a lieutenant colonel currently in the army still. So 22 years later, but, uh, I, right after we got married, the Iraq war started and I got actually deployed over to Iraq and, uh, I did that for a year and, um, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that today, but not too much, but I'm sure just so you know that that happened in my life. And then, um, but this whole time I was with Marriott. So I started Marriott right after college. And so I've been with Marriott for almost 25 years um, coming up this year. So it's pretty kind of a cool story there, um, as well, just commitment and the service piece. But, um, when I got out of Iraq, that's when the, that's when the, that's when the kids started coming. So Hudson came like we, I think we had Hudson, like right when I got back and then, you know, we just, and we just started our family and then Reed, um, Hudson's 15 right now. And then Reed Ray, uh, we had her, um, just under a couple of years later. Uh, and then we kind of went without, another baby for a while yeah 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 i think there's seven years between hudson and our twins and then ryan and i and we were a little bit older we were you know we were upper 30s um and we just like let's go for another one (laughs) and then god's like nah you're getting two (laughs) (laughs) yes i know you're not gonna do another one so you're getting two this time yeah right right so you, like, just, you mean, wanted to do diapers all over again, didn't you? Oh Nate? man, like yeah. double duty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so Ryan and I were like, we just looked up together and you know, we're looking, we're just like, what are you doing? You know, God, <laughs> you know, like thank you, but okay. Yeah. And um, and so that that you know, that kicked in, that kicked in our life. And that's when everything, you know, I when I you look back at your life, that's when it all starts. Like once those kids are those kids are in your arms and, and they're growing up, and and so now you know, the boys, the twins, our youngest are eight, um, and the Grierson and Henry, and they're just awesome. They're, they're super smart. You know, they're, they're running around, they're, they're, they're always pushing each other, uh, which is super cool because, you know, and they always have a friend, which is great. And, you know, ironically, Ryan, my wife, Ryan, um, she told me before we had, before we went for a third, she said, Nate, there's such a, there's such a gap, you know, we're probably going to have to go for another one afterwards. And I think that was God's, that, that was to me, that was, like, I'm just going to make it easy for you. Yeah. Well, yeah. Here you go. Here hard you go. for Ryan too. for sure. And hard for you guys as yeah. Right. But no, like, right. yeah, let's just get it done right now. Right. Right. That's awesome. And, and with, and with twins are so different, you know, I mean, all of our kids, Hudson and Reed too, they all have characteristics of both, but twins are so fun, Mike, because you, you think the twins are the same, like they're the same personality, the same, you know, but they're so different and they, they care, they have their own character. Um, and they have, they have our, our, our weight weaknesses and our strengths all yeah. piled into both of them, That's but they're, awesome. they're different, they're different weaknesses, different strengths, each of them that we yeah. both have. So it's so fun to see that. You know? I love it. Are they identical? Yeah. No, they're, they're fraternal. Okay. Um, my, um, Grierson's, a, he's brown hair, got a couple inches on Henry. Henry's, uh, blonde-ish, dirty blonde and, yeah. uh, and, and just super quick and like, they're just, yeah, but they both it. play hoops. They both Have play fun. hoops, which is awesome. And, and so hoops and football, you're, you're coaching right now. Hoops and football. I'm coaching football right now, yeah. um, which is, you know, flag football at that age is awesome. And then my um, older two, my older two play real competitive soccer and basketball and, all that stuff. So how fun, yeah. man. That's exciting. Yeah. I, uh, 
the twins, the last go around. That's a, Hey, you know, God's, God's good. But sometimes you got to go, well, wait a second. Why couldn't we get those at the beginning? Because we had more energy when we were younger and now we're older. And it's like, what? I can't imagine that, man. I, I, my, there's always a saying too, like God will only give you what you can handle. And I'm like, babe, he like pushed it, you know, like, I'm not saying we can't handle it, but when I talk to Ryan, I'm like, yeah, sometimes there's like some points where I'm like, he might've given us just a tad bit much, but we're, uh, we're hanging in there. <laughs> so I, my uh, question before you really go much further, cause I didn't ask you this, but like you're a Lieutenant Colonel right now. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So how, like, what does that mean? Cause you're working I mean, I know what you do for Marriott. You're a busy yeah. man. You've got a lot on your brain right there alone. Even when you go home from work, you're 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 running a, a massive hotel up in Seattle, Weston. Um, and and then you've got to go and you've got these other responsibilities in the in the army still. So what does that mean? Like how much time do you have to devote to that right now? Yeah. So well, I, and I, I'm sure you're similar, but my job at work, I don't know how many hours I put in. 60, yeah. 70, 80 sometimes a week. Yeah. But it but I love it, right? Mm-hmm. So like so I can't wait to get up. I get up super early. I get in, maybe I'll get a workout in before I get there. Um, and, and I just, I just can't wait to get there. So it never feels like the time, you know, I'm not punching the clock kind of feel. Um, and the army is the same way. So like when I leave, you know, when I leave my Marriott, my corporate position and I have, um, a little bit of, of military work to do at night or on the weekend or, or, you know, and it's not, it's not overwhelming, um, the army does a good job from a reservist standpoint of giving you enough training and enough responsibility where you don't, you can manage all of it, yeah. um, and, and still be successful and not feel over overwhelmed. Um, but it's such a hobby. It's, it's such a, you know, it's such a part of who I am in my core that, you know, taking care of soldiers for me is equally as cool as, as serving in a homeless shelter or doing yeah any, any, you know, any type of philanthropic activity. And so like, if I can help a soldier be a better soldier, be a better family man or woman, or be a better, you know, citizen and and just by, by engaging them and being there with them and and trying to be intuitive into their situations, to me, it's just another part of, you know, instead of watching that extra 30 minutes of a sitcom, I just invest into my, into my soldiers. And, uh, and, and it's really kind of cool. And that, that, that's my sitcom or that's my, you know, that's my Netflix episode of the night. And, um, you and I were talking, like, I don't get a chance to watch a lot of media. I don't get a chance to, um, you know, engage in the news as much as a lot of people. And and so for me, it's, it's more about just that moment and just trying to be there with everyone, you know? You know, I, I know you don't get a lot of time, um, to do some of the activities you want to do too. But when, when we played basketball at the uh, LDS church, when you came down into town and you crossed me over the way you did, knowing oh, yeah. that you're not able to put the time and effort into practicing, it really hurt me. Nate, that, that, that really, that, that diffused my ego, man. It crushed me. Um, no, it's uh, like, I, I think that's the thing. What you just said right there is, is one of the reasons why um, I find myself looking up to you so much is you you just defined yourself as somebody who ultimately finds passion and joy from serving other people and ultimately like bettering people's lives and helping them. Not, not that you put yourself in a place that, yeah, you're going to make everyone's life better because you believe that you, you have all those tools and abilities yourself, but because you just want to help people, you just want to take care of people. And, um, I, that, that, that's the draw for me, Nate. That's what I saw in you right from the bat. When, when I was around you, every time I've been around you as my leader, um, I felt like you saw me 
personally, right? Like mm-hmm. you see me, I'm not just part of a group. And I know you did that with every single person that you lead. You see them, you get to know them. It's kind of a one-on-one thing. And I think mm-hmm. there's something very powerful in that kind of a life. So, so I, I, that said, um, kind of understanding where you're at in your life. Uh, the audience I think is, is up to speed there. You're up in Seattle. Now you've moved around a lot. You start, you know, you're in Arizona, you did California for a bit. Now you're up there, um, a a big hotel up there. So if anybody uh, listening has groups going to Seattle, Hey, reach out to Nate, he'll take good care of you. Um, (laughs) yeah, but, uh, so, so why tell me, let's get into like, how did you get to where you are in life? What what have you gone through that has really helped you find that love that you have of just t- like helping people and serving people and and being who you've become, if you will? I've just been surrounded by great role models, you know, my whole life. Um, and even my friends that I grew up with have turned, they motivate me so much now. Like I, right before we got on this podcast, I called my best friend. And so like, I I still have this amazing um, mentorship that I get, you know, from, from everybody that I was able to grow up with. And and my parents, my mom and dad really did a great job of fostering that, um, you know, through their, the way they lived and how they were brought up and, and, um, and, and their faith, uh, I think in, in Christianity, uh, kind of always helped a little bit, uh, put things in perspective for me, even when I didn't understand it. Um, I still think I'm still trying to figure it out like we all are, which is kind of cool. Um, but like, I, you know, I've had that since day one. So, you know, a lot of folks don't get that opportunity. They, they don't get brought to, you know, to that place until they're, they're later in life and they go through something. But for me, I've always had it. Um, and it's just digging deeper and, and figuring it out more and, and always being, I kind of like to be, think of myself as always being an adventurer or willing to take on, um, that new, that new lesson as a, as a, as a, um, I listen, like, I love listening, you know, like this podcast is so tough cause you want me to talk, but I'd rather ask you questions and listen to you. Um, and because I learned so much and then I gather from that. Um, and then that just motivates me. I'll actually take things that I learned from you and inflect them into my own leadership styles. Um, you know, one, one thing that's kind of cool for me is, is uh, taking over a battalion command as a lieutenant colonel just this past year. They asked me to write a command philosophy. And, you know, that's, diff- that's a different kind of a feel. But for me, that was natural. Like, I was like, okay, what place am I in? Where are my soldiers? What's the environment? And, uh, and what are like the pillars that I need to build on that? And I do that. I almost do that daily. Like with where am I, what am I trying to accomplish today? And you know, what can I get after? And, and for me, you know, I painted a picture. I was trying to project a little bit of, of army in me, but the, you know, the three pillars for me were in their military. So it doesn't work in every, I couldn't bring that over to the Marriott side. I can, I mean, the, the same philosophies, but it's lean in, um, take care of each other and then be ready. And those are kind of the three things that resonate. Those, those things we talk about in the army, um, they're just, they, and, and you can speak in that in the corporate world or just in life too, but those are the biggest things. It's just be, in, be engaged, lean in, know what's going on, um, always take care of each other like we talked about, just that, that kind of that service to one another, and then just be ready. You know, like if you got to go run six miles a day, have you done that in a while? Like if you got to go do 100 push-ups today, have you done that in a while? If you you know, if you're going to, if they're going to, te- if you know, if you're going to be a prisoner of war in a, in a month, like, are you ready? Can, do you have that? Do you have that? Uh, do you have that ability? And if you've got to 
for us, it's a lot of the intellectual work on the military intelligence side. But um, if you've got to be the best intuitive intelligence analyst, like, are you ready for that? Are you, is your mind ready? Are you able to prepare the battlefield uh, to, to put all the, all the soldiers and all of our army in the right place uh, to win the battle? And, and that message to me motivates me every morning. And it's motivated me my whole life. And I hate it. I actually sometimes run into situations. I'm like, God, can you just not have me do that? Like, that'd be great. Like, I'd love to wake up in the morning and like not have that like, in my life so that I just, I just sit, sit around and watch TV all day. But my mind and my body, my mind and my body doesn't allow it. And it just makes me think that way every day. Yeah. So. I don't, don't ever get that way. <clears throat> it's uh, it's not good. I I've done that before. It's not good. Um, okay. Okay. No, no, it's so, so a couple things I, um, I, I pulled out from what you just said that I I'm hearing like the accountability factor, like, yeah, there, you just said at the very end there, you're like, yeah, you know, it'd be nice if God would like, let me have a day or here or there. And I'm, you know, I'm sure you get a nap in every three years or so, you know, a couple hours, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with twins. Um, but anyway, like I, I, I feel like what you're saying is you're somebody who sees beauty and accountability you hold in. And, and I mean by what I mean by that is you hold yourself accountable to your belief system in the sense of like, Hey, you know, this is who, this is who I want to be. This is who I desire to be. And this is who God wants me to be. And so you hold yourself to that standard and, and you hold yourself accountable to yourself every day. Would you say that's something that you live with, Nate? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I can expand on that a little bit, but I, yeah, I feel like the accountability piece is huge and just setting those little daily goals. Um, I always set like the easiest goals. <laughs> like, I, I think that that's a big deal. I never, you can always have the lofty ones out there, but it's the day-to-day -day tactical goals um, that you're, you know, I just want to get these three things done today. If I do that, one's brushing my teeth, the next one's, you know, getting this contract out, mm -hmm. the third one's hiring this person or, you know, whatever it is. And if I can get those three things done, like all the other 48 things that I need to get done, I'll get those done tomorrow because those are the most pressing things. And, and, um, and the, I think the accountability to your value system, uh, one of our, I was on a call this week and one of our corporate officers like nailed it. I thought he was, it was great. He said, um, everything's gone crazy during COVID in our industry. And, you know, all the leaders, there's only a, there's only a handful left. Like we have really either they're furloughed or they've moved on or we've downsized in such a bad capacity. And you, you know, Mike, Mike working at a hotel, there's only a handful of you guys comparative to what it was like pre previous to COVID. And we're, we are coming back some, but during that comeback period, it's been hard because they're stretching us yeah. and we're making, we're making these decisions. And what was so cool there's no, there's no roadmap for it. And so what he said on the, on the call was, you, I'm just trusting all of you just make decisions based on your values, based on your, on your value system, because that is going to be what gets us there. And their trust into all of us at the hotels or little, you know, whatever your job is that's left within our company um, to just push back onto your values with every decision that you made. It actually made me think more about every decision I was making later in the week, because I was like, Am I just making that one because I just need to make a quick decision or am I doing that because I know that's the right decision? And it actually made me a better leader just listening to that particular easy message that he might not even realize is probably something he says every day, you know, like doesn't even, and it hit me and, and, uh, and, and I think I'm sure it hit the, the few other people that were on the, on the call or whatever, but a lot of, a lot of, uh, 
that statement alone instills a lot of trust back into people. And when you mm-hmm. feel that from a leader, that's very empowering, right? Like yeah. it almost, it almost makes you feel like, Hey, look, they hired me for me. Um, and, yeah. and so they have confidence in me and my ability and I can go out and I can do what I got. Man, that's, that's a, that's a leadership principle right there in and of itself mm-hmm. to just say mm-hmm. something like that to people. Like, mm-hmm. I trust you. I trust mm-hmm. you go and be you. Right. That's really cool. I like that a lot. Yeah, <clears throat> so, it is. That's a, that's a good way to put it. It's, I mean, empowerment is the biggest part of making people successful and, and ultimately, you know, and isn't that the thing that, that like, so take a job, for example, when, like when you come into a new role, you're nervous, you're, you're timid, you're, you, you, I mean, even if you're a really confident person, there's still pieces of that job that you, you don't really know. Am I okay to do that? Am I, I, you kind of question yourself on, and that's like the one thing that you want, right? You just want right. a leader to like almost define it for you. But when a leader says to you, I hired you for you, I trust you go do your thing. Like, like, you know, kind of the expectations, here's the trainings we've given you now take that and apply it to you and go be you. Right. That's Mm -hmm. man. That's the best kind of leadership because then you're like, I'm in, I'm all in a hundred percent. Right. You said there's something else I wanted to talk about that, that you just talked about that really stood out to me. It's it's, we, we talk a lot about, we hear a lot about finding your purpose in life, right? Like, whatever you're drawn to, wherever your energy is, what, like find your purpose, because if you can find your purpose and you can live within that, you'll be more effective. You'll make a bigger impact if you will, because that's what you're good at or that's what you're passionate about. Right. Right. But you said something that really, I thought was really kind of cool. Define your purpose, right? Like, so like, like if I say I'm passionate about people, um, what the heck does that mean? You know what I mean? Like I used to say as a, as a younger man, I used to say all the time when people would ask me like, Hey, what do you love? I love people. I love people. What does that mean? And, and I didn't, you know, like, well, yeah, I love to, I love to, to get to know different uh, people from all over the place. And I'm very diverse. I love the idea of diversity. That's fine. But like, what does that, what does that mean? What am I, how am I defining that? Right. So you, you, you talked about in purpose define it. Once you find it, define it. Almost like mm-hmm. say, okay, here's my purpose. But then within that purpose, here's a couple things that I really like about this purpose. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like the tactical piece of how you get there or, or what that means. Right? Yes. Yes. So like, how has that benefited your life when you've, as you've, you've kind of learned that about your purpose? Like how has that benefited you to really apply the tactical pieces within it, if you will? That's a good question. Um, it's kind of it's kind of a broad question. I apologize; it's not more specific, but I think you know where I'm going. Yeah, I think the tactical the tactical pieces of of anything, just like training, like for sports or you know um, anything like sales, like you have to you have to get yourself better and understand where you're not good, um, and then under, you know kind of understand those those weak sides because you're going to naturally tend to go to the to the things that you're, that you're good at, but developing those weaknesses really is what I think is what you're talking about. Because when you, when you think of a tactical reason, like I don't necessarily, you and I play a lot of basketball. I don't need to go out and practice that today. I can go play today and I'm ready, you know? Um, but if I was to go to, you know, I was going to go swim a mile, I probably need to work on that a tad bit, you know, or if I was going to go 
you know, on, on jeopardy or something, I would need to kind of get my mind right. Like, and, and so, so because if, if that's in, if I know I want to be better at something, I need to take the tactical approach on the things that I need to work on that are the small things that will make me better, um, to get me to that better, to the bigger, to the bigger purpose. And that is the, I guess, to your point, like when you're reflecting on what I said earlier would be those daily little easy goals, the, the little things that get you there um, personally, um, but also as a team and, and also just in, you know, in life. And, and I feel like um, I, I can't say I do them great, Mike. I can't, man. I, I can't like, I, you know, I struggle. I'm not the best leader in the world. You know, I'm not the best dad. I'm not the best coach. You know, I'm not, I, but I do strive to be better. Um, and I feel like that's the piece. And I, I, I look at the things and I really overanalyze um, to a point of keeping me up sometimes, like, what could I have done better? You know, like I'll get off this podcast and be like, Oh, like, <laughs> what could I have told Mike that I would, you, you know, I should have said this, or I should have said that. And you're not, and, but I'll look at this podcast as training for the one we do in a year from now, yeah, you know, and, 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 and everything we go through, like, even when I was at war, I felt like I was training for war and I was in it. Right. Or like when I'm in, like when I'm in the basketball game and I'm playing and I work on a, and I make a left hand, I made a left hand layup yesterday when I was playing. I was like, Oh, that yes. felt good. You know? yes. And I was like, I was like, I was like, but, I, but in my mind, I was like, I did that purposely because I was in my mind feeling like I always need to work on my left hand to be better for the next game, but I'm in the game right now. And so like, even when I'm playing, even when I'm playing, even when I'm coaching, even when I'm leading, um, I still don't even realize I'm doing it. I still think everything I'm doing is training to be better at what I'm doing currently that I'm already doing, you know? Yeah. And that's the piece that drives me bonkers when I, I was talking about it earlier. Like when I look up to God and I'm like, can you just stop this? Like I'm, <laughs> I'm already here, you know, like I'm yeah. done. Aren't I done? When do I get to, you know, stop? But, but I just, I think that's so cool. Cause I think, I think for me, especially as a younger adult, um, I, I don't stop and really define my purpose sometimes like a, pur a, a purpose is kind of like, it's that big thing in the sky, right? There's my, there's my purpose, but like, I don't stop and really define what does that mean? You know, the fact, and again, coming back to me, just cause I love people like that doesn't mean a whole lot. There's no action items there on that. How do I develop that skill? How does that become, how does that become something that I can actually put goals around when, when you say that you can't. But if I, if I'll stop and I think through and I process that exactly what you're talking about and then come up with some tactical items. And a lot of times those things are actually utilizing my strengths, but also I'm looking at my weaknesses, just like you, Nate. And I'm like, okay, how can I get better at these things right here? Um, and what I've learned is, as I've done those things is I've taken a step back and really defined my purpose more in my life. I've learned that those very weaknesses that I had, those things that really irritated me and made me ashamed of myself as a young person, almost that I thought I got laughed at for, mm -hmm. those are the best things that I have. That's, mm -hmm. that's the best part of me. Um, and I, I love, I love myself even more for it. That's what, that's what allows me in a way to stand out a little bit. And so I can, yeah. I can yeah. recognize the weaknesses become my strengths. They were my strengths in the very beginning and what caused me to become where I'm at today. So I don't know. I, I love that. Now um, let's look, can we talk about you at war for a minute? What, what did your, your father was in the military, your wife's father was in the military. So you come yeah. from definitely like a military background for sure. Yeah. Um, 
talk to me about your experiences in military. Did you join naturally just kind of felt what was right for you? Be, like, like why? Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm like, a, I, I think I'm a sixth or seventh generation military officer. If you can imagine that, like my lineage goes all the way back to the union army. No kidding. Uh, yeah. And my, but even my grandfather, you know, he was, um, my grandfather came in Pearl, uh, you know, after Pearl Harbor, they went in deep, uh, and they, you know, started world war two. And then he was activated. He was in the national guard of Michigan. Um, and he ended up getting procked up to a captain, to a Lieutenant Colonel while he was in Germany. And he was the mayor of Bavaria, Southern Germany for three years. Um, during, you know, the martial law post, uh, world war two, but he went through the whole war and everything. So I have so many roots in military and I didn't, I, it's just so innate in me, um, that I can't even really describe like how, where the center comes out of me. I, I don't, I don't know exactly because it's like who I am. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known what to do without serving like yeah. in our country, in the military, in whatever branch or doing something like that, because it would have never, I, I would have never done, not done it. So it, for my, it, so from a young age, I was like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll join the army. That sounds great. Um, so, you know, I went to college and I was like, ah, I'll try ROTC. And I did, and, you know, I was 18, 19 years old and they made you wake up at five o'clock in the morning and, you know, start running and doing all this stuff. And I was like, this is, I can't do this right now in my life. I was like, I'll do this later. So I, I ended up not doing ROTC in college, which I think was a cool deal. And, I, you know, and there are folks that do that. Um, and then there's three different ways really to get kind of cert commissioned. So you can go through West Point in the military or any of the military academies, Air Force, you know, um, Naval Academy or West Point. And then, uh, or you can go in ROTC through college or then after school you can, or whenever you can enlist. And so I was, I actually got out of college, was working with Marriott, but I always had this promise because the purpose, I guess I always had this promise to myself that I would do it, that I would get in. And so I, you know, the timing was right. I can't remember. I was a couple, couple years in with Marriott and, um, and they're a very patriotic company. And I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, you know, go and just join the reserves, do a couple, you know, a couple months here, just train, join, um, and just be ready in case anything happens. And, and that way, at least I'm trained. And, and when the, when the country needs me, I'll, I'll be able to, to, to meet that call. And, um, so I did it and, uh, I got, I, I listed as a private went, did that. And then within a year became a Sergeant in the reserves, you know, came back did some individual training. Um, I was an imagery analyst, uh, at, by trade. That's what they made my MOS. And so, um, just, you know, analyzing all the imagery that the military uses. Um, and then, huh. and then, um, was, actually asked to be direct commission, which is the fourth way of getting commission where you go through a board and they just say, Hey, you're ready to be an officer. And I, I actually made it through that, that, that panel. And then at the end of the panel, I said, but I don't want to do it that way. I actually want to go to officer candidate school, infantry officer candidate school, if I could. And so, um, how cool the panel. Yeah. The panel was like, what? No, you can, just, <laughs> you, just, you don't have to do that. And I was like, no. And, and a little bit was because my dad did it. Yeah. And he went to officer candidate school, uh, at Fort Benning. So I was like, I want to do that. If you guys cut me orders, I'll do that. It was, you know, three month, four month course and, no um, and then follow on. So I, so I went and did that. And, uh, and then just kind of at that point was a reservist or U S army reservist. Uh, I was, you know, commissioned second Lieutenant back in, I think it was the year 2000. It's been a little bit. Um, and, uh, and Mary, it was great. Uh, and then, you know, and then, uh, I, I stayed in for a little bit longer. I didn't know how long I would stay in. I just wanted to serve. And, 
Um, my wife ended up uh, getting in as well. And oh, she, no kidding. She actually, she, out, she outranks me every, she, she was always like a year, a, a year grade higher than me our entire time in the reserves, which is kind of cool. And um, she always cool. does it. She always does everything better than me too. And she ended up getting out when we had the twins just because it was too much to handle. And yeah. for whatever reason, I've decided to stay in, but that's kind of my military story. And um, it grew, you know, we went, we obviously had nine 11 happen during my tenure, like a year or two after I'd become a Lieutenant. Um, and then, you know, everybody that was in kind of my, my world at that time was going to be deployed at some point. And they really, they called like immediately and they needed Intel officers augmenting, uh, missions over there. And so they put me, uh, over in Mosul, Iraq. And I did that, um, as a young Lieutenant. Um, and I was the military intelligence planner for Northern Iraq and did, um, you know, I had a small team I worked with, uh, I got picked for a lot of convoy ops cause I was pretty low on the totem pole, you know, <laughs> running, running mail and doing things around, you know, just shipping people around Mosul all the time. And, um, it was pretty scary times. And sure. I mean, back then that's when the insurgency had kicked off. It was, I was there in 2004. So, Man. um, we were, we were just up armoring our, uh, our vehicles at that time. So it was, you know, we didn't even have up armored Humvees and things like that. When I got there, we were, you know, we were, we were doing all of our battle drills, um, and all of our missions and soft skin, like, you know, X Terras and Toyota, oh. you know, stuff like that. And so, you know, we got really hardened really quick, um, with with uh the enemy al-qaeda and all the insurgencies yeah. going on and everything so saw some tragedy over there i'm sure i'm sorry man but thank you for yeah. for your service did your wife go as well or did she stay home because you guys she at that point you had kids no you didn't have kids she so when we did have kids she was in uh she 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 was a major when she got out of the of the army um and she uh she decided well, she, she got called to do deployments. So what she did is what during the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, she got all of the reserve medical, she's medical. Um, yeah. and she got all the reserve medical units ready. So she was on a year long deployment. It wasn't overseas, but it was basically getting all those units ready. So she would fly into all wherever the units were in the United States and get them ready to go to war, um, and prepared, you know, with all the readiness that they needed, uh, to be, to, to, to get down downrange and then she'd ship them off and then she'd move to the next fort and get the next group out and she did that ready. for she did that for a year when we lived in uh, northern california and i i was kind of more central with the with the kids at that time when she yeah. wasn't around but um so she wasn't overseas but she still you know still served a year helping doing all that stuff so kind of cool so so tell me because when when you do this and and you kind of knew the expectations when you when you joined the military because of your your lineage right your heritage yeah yeah um that's a that's a lifestyle though nate that and i mean let's be real like it, it you're not going to make the most money in the world being in the military you no. have to travel a, a, a lot, right? I mean, just hearing what you and your wife kind of were going through as, as you joined, um, what, where, where does the passion come from for that? And, and also, if you don't mind too, while you're answering that, talk about the benefit. Like, how is that, how is that taken away from your life? But I don't think it has. How's it blessed no. your life? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, the, for, for me, I look at every time I get to put the uniform on, it just enhances who I am. 
like as a, as a human being, like not, not, not personally, not like, Oh, I'm, you know, Oh, now I'm like, you know, big, strong <laughs> army guy. It, it's more of what, what is this teaching me right now? You know, and I think everything in life, like the more it more, the more you get humbled, the better you are. Right. And so when you put that on there, it means a lot, right? Like you, you, you're, you're, you're telling people that are around you that, Hey, I'm in the army and, you know, I'll go to the grocery store in my uniform and it looks, and it feels weird, especially in the civilian capacity. Um, but even, even when you're, you know, when you're on the base, you know, you got that uniform on and you got that flag on. And, um, for me, for me, there's something so amazing about that particular feeling, um, because I, I get to take that with me and give it to other people. And so like, there's not a lot of people that get to serve. So like right now I'm describing to you, about what it's like to be in the military. And so like, for me, I get to do that because I think our military is smaller now. Um, I tell all of them, I have 300 soldiers uh, in my battalion and I tell them, hey, you get to be a citizen soldier. So that means you're a, you're a soldier with the uniform on, but you're also a soldier when, when you don't have it on. And people are going to listen to what you're saying and take that with such a big credence to, to, to what your thoughts are on certain subjects. And so you have to be very mindful of, of how you position yourself. And for me, I get to do that. And it's, it's so cool, Mike, because there's sometimes where, um, I do get put in positions where I feel like in the military, you learn how to lead and you learn how to serve with zero monetary incentive, right? There's like, you, you, you I, there, I can, I, I could tell my battalion, Hey, you guys, we all need to go take this hill, you know? And at the end of the day, when we take that hill, all you, the reward is we get to take the next hill, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then after that, you don't get to sleep all night. And then after that, we're going to take the next hill, you know, and then you get a bonus at the end of the quarter, or then you get a promotion. Like you don't, none of that happens. It's, it, you know, and it's all, you're doing it for each other, um, which is kind of cool. And, and so when you take that style of leadership that I've been learning or have been involved with and been around great leaders that embellish that, um, uh, that, 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 that just true leadership skill, it comes out when you're in the corporate world because you get this opportunity or, you know, it comes out in your, when you're coaching and you, you just realize like there's, there's other ways to motivate people, um, that, that is not driven by the bottom line or by that green dollar or whatever. And for me, that's always been so cool as a, as a human being to be able to be a part of that and have that with me and bring that bring that to everyone that I work with, even though they might not know, you know, like they have no idea, like on a daily basis, I don't talk to people quite a bit about that side of my life, but it's something that I get to give them even if they knew or they didn't. And uh, so I, I think from a purpose standpoint, that's what I love. You know, I think that's the piece that, um, that brings it together is, is just that, you know, that, that ability to serve that the true leadership that you get from it and the camaraderie and the, and the fact of bringing that to everyone else, it's just a cool deal. So I think, um, Nate, I think what you're describing is like the ultimate service, service leadership or leadership done with service in mind, if you will. And I, you know, I know, I know you're Christian. I know that, um, the greatest leader we ever had here on this earth was Jesus Christ, you know, and, and his whole mission was done serving others. What monetary gain did he get? Oh, eventually as I continue to do this, I'm going to be put on a cross. Right. And with nails driven. <laughs> and I don't mean to say that very like insincerely, but what I'm saying is like, he didn't do anything for he, I think he knew ultimately what the, the monetary gain would be for each of us. And he saw us that way, but 
Sure. I think the beauty of it is though, he didn't get any monetary gain from anything in the world for what he did. It just, it allowed him to feel um, the feelings of love and, and that he was doing the right thing. And I think what you're, what you're explaining, you know, take that next hill. <laughs> There's no bonus at the end. Hey guys, we're going to take that hill. And if you do, everyone's getting a $500 check this month. No, that's right. first of all, it's not enough to put your life on the line for. So like, yeah, you'd right. laugh at that, but but there's, there's nothing like that. So what are you doing it for? And as you're talking, Nate, I'm sitting there going, well, you're doing it because you're thinking of people. You want to protect people. You want to care for um, the American value system, system. but, but you're, you're doing it to take care of people that you don't even know, right? Yeah. Like you don't know all these people that you're trying to provide safety for. And so the fact that you're going to put your life on the line in my mind, as you talk, I'm sitting there going, well, Nate and his guys are doing that because they're trying to protect someone like me and my family and make sure that we get those opportunities. And, uh, that's, that's powerful, man. And, and you said, a you said a word in there too, that I, that I, I want to have a little dialogue around with you, if that's okay. I I've, I've come to learn that to me in the English language, there's two words that that have become the most powerful words in my life, and that's humility and and um, uh, humility and meekness. Um, and and I you saying that you it's very humbling to put on that uniform, very humbling to serve in that type of leadership role. Can you can you talk about that for just a second? Why is that? Why why? why is it humbling and and what does humility mean to you? What, like put yourself in a state of humility. What, what are you humble because of what's the purpose behind that right there? Well, I, I think hearing in your voice, just talking about thinking about someone serving for you and beyond, uh, you know, on your, on your, for your family, that humbles someone that's doing it. Right. So like, I know that's the case when I'm, when I'm leading, when I'm serving, when I'm, just getting my soldier soldiering on. Um, for me, I, I understand that that is what we're doing. And so the, the, lar- the longer that you spend in the service, the longer time you spend in the service, you just become, you just become even more humble, just like anything like as a dad or as, you know, anything that you do for an extended period of time that you know is right. Um, you just become that, you become a, a, a you know, a, a learner of the game and, you know, a student. And I, I feel like, I, I become more a more of a student of it every time I put the uniform on. And because of that, it just, you just realize that there's such a huge amount of humility in what you're doing. Um, and I, I think, you know, I guess everyone does that as you just get older, you just realize like this thing is so much bigger than you are. And, um, and I think that's the coolest part, like in, on your, on your uniform or in life, you know, you got an American flag here on your shoulder. You got a, you know, you got the U S army patch here and you got your name. And your name isn't about you. It's about your family, right? Like that name for me on that nameplate, it, it's important, but it's not because of Nate Moore. It's because of the Moore family and the extended family and, you know, the Gregson family and like all that, like for me dials into that. And so um, being able to, to, uh, to have the physical and mental agility to continue to serve, um, even though I'm getting kind of up there in the, in the service you know, years, I, I, it's just, it's just cool. And I just thank I thank God and thank my wife for supporting and everybody around us for, for supporting that. But it is a cool part of, of my life. Um, and I, you know, I, I just, I love it. So that's a part of uh, something that you said, it's a part of life that I feel like we don't really 
put as much weight on as maybe we used to back in the day, that idea of wearing your name on your chest, right? I know when I was a missionary and, and for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, wearing that name tag with his name on it, mm-hmm. it, it was very humbling, but it was very empowering. It, it gave me an opportunity to really like look at my life, make sure that my life was in, in line with somebody that did try and represent Christ and try to teach a gospel that he taught himself, right? But where, like your family name, I, you know, I, I remember my dad saying to me when I was a kid, son, when you walk outside this door, you've got my name, you know, like, like, what are you doing to, for me and your mom, what are you doing to make sure that you, that we, you know, that we can be proud of what you're doing. And, and unfortunately I, I made a lot of mistakes and, <laughs> um, but, but, but now, um, I think about that often now that my dad, my, you know, dad's gone, my mom's around, but like, I just hope one day that they look at that and they can, they, they have happiness when they think of how I, I put that name on, because I, I am so grateful for what they did for me. And I'm, yeah. I'm really glad that you brought that up, Nate, go could, talk to me about faith in the military and faith in your life. Like put, cause when you talk about words of humility and, and leadership style and humility, where, where, where does faith come into play and how does that take a part in your life? Yeah. Um, Faith is, I guess it's a pivotal piece of where I am from my core. Um, you know, fortunately, like I said earlier, uh, I just have always had the ability to reach to God or just, you know, my faith in general. Um, and, and I think from my perspective, as I've continued to learn and get better at life, I've, um, I, I've realized that everything that I do uh, is, is to thank God. I mean, everything that I have, like he is going to give me everything that I need. He's going to give me everything that I really want, um, that I don't even know half the time. But, and so for me, I've, I've always, I've always realized that there's not much more I need to ask for him because I, 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 I'm such a believer, um, that he's going to provide what I need when I need it and, or not provide what I think I need. Um, because you know, he's, he's, he's teaching me or he's given me another, another good lesson on, on life. Um, and so for me, that's, that's always been kind of a big part of, of what I do. Um, I, I, you know, I could always be a better Christian. Um, I could always be a better dad. I could always be a better coach, you know, better leader in life. Um, but I feel like I'm just blessed with what has been given to me, uh, and, and the capacity that's been given to me at whatever scope. And for me, that, that piece to me always just defines that, you know, God is with me and that I, that I, you know, I'm doing what he's really wanting me to do. Um, even though I think maybe sometimes I should be doing something else. This is what he wants. Like he wants me, everything we've talked about in this podcast, he, you know, he's just said, ah, this is you, man. I mean, we talk about the kids, we talk about the, you know, we talk about our, our, corporate world and life and, you know, and we talk about the army and stuff like that. And I feel like, he's just like, yeah, this is you buddy, you know, take it. And so, um, I, I just think, I thank him for that. And that's kind of where my, my faith lies there. And, and I learned, I learned that the thanking piece, and I know you and I chatted about that before. Um, I learned that thanking piece, um, when I was at war, uh, when I realized like, you know, I, I really did get a lot of attacks on me and my base um, when I was in Mosul and, you know, I, we lost people. And I, I just remember thinking like, Hey, this could be my last day. Like, how do I want to go down swinging? You know, if I was going to have one last prayer, would it be, Hey, do I want to, do I want to thank God for 
for everything that he's given me? Or do I want to be asking him for something maybe that I don't necessarily even need that I don't know, like I discussed earlier. And so um, I've really put my kind of my faith a little bit into that, not naively, like there are still things that I need to ask for. Um, but I think predominantly most of my time is, is thanking him for the things that I'm even asking him for, um, and giving, giving kind of that light, um, to, to the message and the communication that I have, um, with him and with my families. It's just, it's just the, the blessings and the thanks and, and that kind of thing. So I think, I think Nate, you, you say something, <clears throat> I mean, gosh, what great message in that whole idea of thanking instead of asking. I'm sure it, when you were there in Iraq, I'm sure that that final prayer would have been take care of my family, take care of my kids. I trust that you will, but you got to hear it from my voice, right? That's the faith I have is I'm going to say it to you, but I know you've already got it, but I just need you to know how much I love them, right? But it's it's that thanking piece because you know, you know that he knows you, right? He's aware of you and 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 he probably wrote a lot of the steps, well, not a lot, but he probably wrote the very steps you're going to take, you know, to wherever you're going next in your life. So uh, that's, that's pretty cool. But um, Nate, I think there's, there's something that kind of stood out to me in what you just said as well um, there, where it's funny how people, when you live in faith and you grow and you're learning that there's so much more, um, to understand and learn and like even in empathy alone, right? Compassion and empathy um, and leading in humility. Um, there's always, there's always a greater step. There's always more improvement that we can make. Um, do you ever stop yourself, Nate? I, I look at your life and I'm like, God, this guy, I, dude, you, to me, you're amazing, man. Like you are, <laughs> you, you are, you are a great man, right? In and, and I, listen, I know we all have things about ourselves that people don't know. And, and if they, they only knew or whatever, but yeah, so, so that's the world we live in. It's crazy. But I look at you and, and you've blessed my life in many ways. You've blessed many other lives in many ways. And you, you do a great job and, and you inspire me. You've lifted me, um, not just in business and work, but in faith as well and energy and optimism. Um, do you ever have moments in your life where you just kind of stop in a place and you go like, I love myself. I'm happy. I'm really happy with where I'm at right now. Do you know what All I mean? Right. I, I do, Mike. All right. I got you. I, I don't really, because we're so busy. I know you are with kiddos <laughs> and stuff too, but like, you just don't have that time in this particular point of life. I, I feel like the reflection time comes you know, after the kids are kind of out the door in, in, maybe you can do it in between, but I did have a moment with my daughter, which was cool. My daughter's awesome, man. Uh, and all my kiddos were great. Like then we were talking one day and I, we, we like to listen to music. My son, my Hudson does too, but we like to listen. Reed and I like to listen to music and just drive around. So like, I'll go pick her up from her friend's house. And my wife's like, Oh, they'll be home in like 10 minutes. And we won't get home for like an hour because we'll just listen to music and hang out or whatever. And we were, do we were, we were doing that one day and I was just like elated. Do you have these little moments in time? I love music. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yes. you know, I, you yeah, write I music. The, yeah. I play the piano a little bit, but for my, for my, for my daughter, you know, it's teaching her things like that. And there's just this, you know, this one time where we were just sitting there and I was like, you know what, Reed, I've, I've done everything I needed to do. Like everything I set my, cause she was talking about her. She wants to play soccer in college and you know, this and that, and she, you know, what she wants to do after college. And, 
you know, and all this kind of stuff, which is awesome for a middle schooler, you know, that kind of thing. And I said, you know, I, I can't remember the context, but there was some reason I told her, I was like, you know, reader, I've, I've done, we call her reader. That's her nickname. That's Beatles. Awesome. Beatles. Awesome. Yeah. Those are her nicknames. I so I it. said, you know, I said, reader, you know, for me, I, I've done it. Like I've done it. Now everything is like, I'm on like borrowed time in my mind. Like everything I'm doing now is to like, give to someone else like you or, or to, to, you know, anybody else. And so, yeah, I've, I've had those times to answer your question and to be able to reflect. Um, that was one time that happened recently in the last few months that I thought was funny. Cause I've never said it. I was like, you know, I kind of wanted to get an MBA. I did that. I kind of wanted to join the service. I did that. I kind of wanted to have a, you know, pretty good, cool Marriott career. Did that have kids did that. Right. Like I kind of did my things that I wanted to do. There's obviously still, goals that I have. But for the most part, when I set out in this world, I've done the things that I've kind of set my eyes on. And uh, it was based on, gosh, everything we've talked about through this podcast to kind of get me there. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't do it often, but it was kind of a fun moment with Reed and I, you yeah. know, she, yeah. she's like, that's cool. Gave me like a hug or high five or something, you know, yeah. something funny. Well, let me, let me do it for you, my friend. Um, you're, you're amazing, man. And I, there's no doubt to me that, um, God's smiling at you. Um, you've lived the life that you've, you've given it to others. I mean, and you've, you've lived it for yourself, but you've, you've given a lot of your life in the service of others in whatever capacity you've been in, right. Military work, whatever it is. And, and I look at, you know, my time with you as a leader, Nate, and and I learned a lot of things from you, but it, it's not, I don't remember the words. I don't remember the structure of what you taught me as a leader, right? I'm not going to go and be like, oh, what did Nate say about this, 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 and this? I don't remember that, but I remember the energy you had. I remember the hope and the faith and just the optimism that you always speak with. And that to me made me walk away from every meeting more than remembering what the agenda of the meeting was and what skill I needed to get better at and improve on. I walked out of those meetings and I went, this is awesome. I love this company I work with. They've, they've given me all the tools and the abilities to, to accomplish the goals that I want to hit and make this company better. And, and I would, I would accomplish them. And you had a team that did very well. Um, in, in Western Mountain Pacific region. I'm, I don't know where you're at today, but I know COVID made everything so different. So we'll talk about, we'll go back for a second. Right, right. But, but you have, you have a, a very uh, incredible ability to lead in all of the right ways, I feel like. Um, I've, I've, I've tried to pick out some um, leaders in my life who uh, they've become, they've really, they become heroes, Right. Um, one thing that I loved about my grandpa, uh, he was a leader in the church that I belong to. He was a general authority. He was stationed out in Hong Kong for a while for the Asia area, uh, the Northeast US. And and I and I remember he would do things like what I said about you one on one. It was a one on one thing, but there was something really cool that he would do as well. Is he would he would remember everybody's name. I don't know how he did it to this day. Like I amazing. Like we'd see people years later and he would know them by name and, and mm -hmm. probably know where they served a mission, right? Like that's, he had an ability to do that. And I know he worked on that. Tell me, tell me for leadership, Nate. Um, yeah. what have you learned in that sense? Cause you, you've had some incredible opportunities to lead throughout your life because you've worked hard to get there. You didn't take shortcuts. I love that you said that about your military training, that you had a chance to just kind of get that title or, or get through that program. And you're like, no, I want to go. And right. I think that's really cool because that yep. says for you as a leader, 
you didn't take a shortcut to get there. And mm-hmm. your guys would have found that out somewhere down the road. Yep. And you would have had to probably answer for that, right? Yep. That's right. Yep. So that's that's one thing. But but let's talk about leadership for a minute, Nate. Okay. What, like like if you don't mind, um, tell me tell me your thoughts about how you prepare yourself as a leader. What what are the ways you think a true leader um, needs to be? So as you think about yourself, as you think about, hey, I'm going in to lead these people. What spot? What what's the space you're going to put yourself in so that you can lead? And then let's let's transition after that. Let's go to a place of I've always wondered. Um, talk to me about people that the, the, that are more in a, stuck in a negative mindset, right? Like okay. there's walls. I, I'm, I'm limited in my mind to think there's no way we can do this or, oh, come on. Like, you know, I'm a little negative here. What have you learned in all your years, years of experience to help people break through those walls or their, their own barriers that they've got? And, and so they can go and they can excel. So if you will, kind of sure. a couple of questions there. Yeah, there's two questions. They're totally, for me, they're totally different. So I'm going to answer the first question about just how to lead, I guess was kind of your first initial question. And then the other one's like, how do you get people that maybe might be struggling to get out of that particular situation? How do you lead them out of it? So the first one to me, it's not simple. And and I'll, I'll definitely, I owe it to to Marriott to really, they've really taught me these things. I wouldn't say it's a discipline of Marriott that they say these things, but these are the, the, I, I, I went to public schools. I say that all the time. <laughs> I'm a public school kid. Me inner too. City public, hey, yeah, it's okay, inner man. City public school. So I break everything down in the most simple <laughs> terms and I can break down my leadership style, or at least what I think is really effective into two words. And it's re- well, three words. Uh, response and follow up, um, and so <clears throat> in every mechanism, and I can say this, and I say it in the, you know, as as a coach, I say it as a as a as a military leader, I say it as a um, as a as a corporate, you know, manager, director, good, you know, good good teammate. Um, the two things that you can really rely on if you want to be an effective leader to respond to every situation very timely. So if Michael Gregson's to call me and I need to get him through something that he has, that it's important to him. If he called me, it's important. Like if anyone calls me, I'm going to say that is the priority. If someone's te- texting, you know, emailing me, trying to get a hold of me, knocking on my door, whatever it is, banging on my window, like I'm, that is a priority. And I need to realize that that person or that particular time is so critical because it, I have to, I have to be able to have the ability to release everything out that, that I personally have going on and dedicate hundred percent of my focus into that. And so for me, that is the part of response. Like you have to have the ability to, you have to get everything off. You have to clear everything off of your, you have to create time, clear everything off your table so that you're ready for that. Like that is then that's part of the message. When I said, be ready, you have to have all of your ducks in a row if you're to get shipped off tomorrow, like you have to be ready. And so for me, it's the same thing with response. Like you have to respond to that. You have to be in that moment. Um, and you have to, you have to let that person know that you heard them. Um, and then you have to have this sense about that response saying to, to, to under, to net, let them know that you understand it. So the response can't just be like, okay, yeah, it's gotta be like, okay, I, I hear what you're saying. And, you know, this is, this is what we'll do, or this is where we're going to go with this particular, you know, subject situation, whatever. 
And then the, the, the biggest key in leadership in a lot in sales, I know you and I have grown up in the sales world too, is, is, is follow-up. And so you have to set an agenda in the response, showing them how you're going to get there. And so in that response, it's, it's basically like defining what the follow-up is going to look like. And so if, you know, if, Michael, Greg, yeah, if Michael Gregson called me and he's like, hey, Nate, I got this situation. I would say, okay, I got you. That's crazy. Let me talk to XYZ. And then I'll give you a call back on Thursday about nine o'clock. Are you good then? And we can kind of put this thing to bed. Or if there's a next step we need to take, we can discuss it. So then what happens in that situation, which is really cool, Mike, is, is you're like, okay, good. Nate's got it. And he's got a plan for it. A lot of leaders forget that they need to have that next step, like into the, the situation. They might have the call with you, but then they, my, I guess my dad used to call it closing the loop a little bit, like in his, when he was, a, he was an army guy. And that was, his, that was kind of his thing is closing the loop. Um, it's the same kind of thing, but for me, it's like defining that follow-up. So then you have the follow-up that like, you let's say the situation you're talking about on Thursday at nine o'clock and I follow up with you. And then that, at that point, either it's resolved or there's a, another step that we need to take. And the same process goes through all that, everything I just described to me, it, it, it kind of speaks to that one-on-one piece that you say that I do, or that great leaders do like your, your grandfather. Um, and, and I think to me that the bottom line of all of it is it establishes trust so that everyone knows when they call you that, that you're going to listen, that you're going to think about it and that you're going to follow up with a solution. And then you're going to execute the solution. And that to me, if you can, as a leader, if you can keep response and follow up in your, in your repertoire, you will never really miss the mark. Like, because you'll never, you'll never, you will always give yourself an opportunity to have a next step. Um, And, and because leadership's gray, you know, you can never, you, you, you can, there's not a definite decision for every single thing. There's always going to be an intangible. There's always going to be a separate course of action. There's always going to be the third course of action. Even there's going to be secondary and tertiary effects to every decision that you make that you've got to then respond to. And so if you have that ability of that go between the response, the follow-up between the people that you're leading, um, that piece will always build the trust. If you do it at the, the quickest level, it could be easy. Like your question could have been, you know, do, do you have, uh, you know, do you have time to talk? And you just wanted to tell me about, you know, the fact that you've, you know, you've, you made three, three pointers in your game. And I listened to it and I heard you and I said, I'll call you back on Thursday. And I call you back. I'm like, you know, how'd you do this week? And you said, I got four three pointers, whatever, like just those little things. Then when the situation gets hard, when the situation gets hard, when you have a, when you have a, um, when you, when you're telling me, Hey, I just had a situation in my life that's breaking down. Um, because that happens in the corporate world, happens in the military, especially as a leader, like you're going to get these situations from folks that you work with that are your teammates and you're going to get the easy ones. But if you handle the easy ones, right, it makes the harder ones so much easier because you have, you have a dedicated cadence that works for them. And so they feel that, that trust between you and, and your, and your leader. Um, and that's the piece that really makes I think makes the leaders great when they can do that at every level. Like I've dealt with generals and presidents or vice presidents and, you know, folks in in our company and throughout my life and the ones that do that the best, that's why I've defined that as kind of like my key to leadership uh, a a little bit. Does that help? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Yeah. 
so many, I mean, so many things in there, right? Like show up, show up with speed, kind of push things off to give that person space to say, I see you, I hear you, which instills in them, like, you know, I'm worth it to my leader, right? My, my leader cares. Um, and then, and then you provide the next step, right? That, like that's when you're making the call, it's not just like, okay, here it is, bam, done. But you provide the next step, you help them with the next step. And then if the next step's done, you've accomplished it, you follow up. And it's like, man, those are all really good. And, and what does that do? It's what you said, Nate, trust, trust. And, and I've got to, I've got to, I've just got to say one thing real quick before you answer that second part of that question. So as you're talking and saying all these things, I'm thinking to a time in my life where this really applied to me and it's back to my grandpa, right? Like he had done those kind of steps with me throughout my life. And when it came crunch time and I had gone through divorce and I was, uh, had become an alcoholic with my own actions and my life had fallen apart and I was depressed and crushed. My dad just died of cancer. I was at the lowest moments of my life. And I remember I saw him one day and he was going and getting in his car to go home. And I just had this thought because I trusted him. Mm-hmm. I, I ran out to his car and I broke down. I gave him a hug and I said, I'm so sorry for, for who I am and what I've done right with your name kind of a thing. And he looked me in the eyes and he said, you know who you are. And you know what you need to do. And that's because that trust had been there and he'd helped me close the gap on so many of those things that I came to him with. He said the very thing that probably drove me more than anything else because he knew me. Mm-hmm. You know who you are. You know what you need to do. And here I am thinking I'm worthless, right? So so those <laughs> principles that you just said right there, I mean, that you could apply those to parenthood. You could apply those to friendship, right? Like that's it. That's it. So think that's awesome. I mean, it's really cool, Mike, just to add, I mean, in the military, in the military and in, you know, in Marriott leadership, like you get asked on how to lead, especially when you start to lead leaders, like when you're leading leaders, they want to know. And so I've, I've had the fortunate been blessed again, like I've been fortunate to actually have that time to put the thought in on how the tactical parts yeah. of that relate into the bigger picture because some people are like, well, you know, or you do it naturally or this is how you do it. And they don't really have this way. And so for me, I've been able to delineate that to really make it resonate with folks. And, and, and I think it has, especially with all the folks that I've had the honor of leading um, or, or have worked with as a teammate and just to develop our leadership together. Um, those are really the, that response follow-up just to build the trust has been Awesome. So. I love it. Nate, I'm going to start instead of saying like, what's your action items behind that or, or in front of that. So you can get there. I'm going to start saying to my kids, what are your tactics? Right? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know this. I love that about this conversation. Okay. So, so the next piece of that, if you don't mind go to leadership, I, I, I think there are some people that are born leaders and, and you don't have to work a ton on them. You just kind of give them guidance. You help them with the things they need help with whatever, but what, how, for those people that are just struggling, that are, they've got the walls, the barriers in their minds, their hearts that don't really have that faith piece yet about life, the trust. Yeah. What do you, what do you do? How do you lift and inspire somebody like that? Yeah. So there's people that you have to Mac that you don't have to micromanage and there's people that you have to micromanage, right? Like, so you, you have, you have your micromanage folks and you have your non. 
and you have people that you really don't even need to call, but once a quarter, right? Those folks are the folks that you have to get involved with deep. Um, the, it, it's so weird. You like in, in life, in business, you get most of your production by like your top, your top dogs, you know, your, tw- your top 20%. And the, but the bottom 20% can take up like 80% of your time. So your folks that don't even really produce much for you can usually have the worst situations. And so you're not even getting them out of the situation in business or in whatever fact, you know, whatever, however you're working with the person. Um, and so, and usually they're not, they're in their own way, you know, they're in their own way. And so you have to get them out of that. And I think it goes back to the same fundamentals of building the trust with that person. So I can speak to it as a leader of those folks. I think that's what you're asking. Um, and so what I do is I do a lot of tracing. It's a lot of follow-up. It's a lot of engaging them and understanding what they told me. They might have been talking about their goals for, you know, financial goals for sales, but really they really wanted to talk to me about their daughter, you know, or they really wanted to talk to me about their husband or their, Uh. you know, their, their grandmother or whatever, whatever the situation is or their own personal, you know, situation or demons or whatever. And so I kind of always spend a little extra time. You know, if I got off the phone with Michael Gregson, no offense to you, buddy, because I know you've gone through quite a bit, but to be honest, you're not somebody I would need to micromanage. Okay? <laughs> like you're, 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 you're the type of person that you just empower and let that, let them run. But if it was someone that was really going through something that's tough, you have to spend that extra time and you have to, you have to love it. And you have to, you have to realize that you were put in this place for that person and to make them better you have to get everybody at the same baseline better. And they'll always remember that. And I think, I think that's the piece. And to be honest, everything doesn't end good all the time. Okay. Like it doesn't like I've lost people in my life. I've lost soldiers. I've lost associates, um, you know, that have either, you know, taken their own lives, um, or, or have, or have, um, have been in situations where they just were, they just didn't, they just weren't able to get out of it. And, um, and so I can't say that, you know, it works for everything, but if I, I always look back at those times, if I could have just spent a little, one more minute, right? Like one more minute with that guy before that, if you would have called me knowing my personality, like I could have talked him out of it in my mind, I feel that way, but I know, you know, there's sometimes there's just things that are out of your control, but I, I feel like from a leader, if you can just give that extra minute to that, you know, to that person and, and really listen and then take, take a mental note or write it down or, and just remember the thing that they told you that you're kind of realizing like that was the most important thing. That's why they called me today. That's what we were talking about. And then just bring that back up to them and see where they're at with that. Um, and then, and then let them talk and just listen to them and empathize. Um, and then once they get it out, sometimes I'd say 90, Five percent of the time, they just need that, yeah. and there's usually not there's usually not somebody in their life that they're able to get that from. And so I've been that person, been fortunate enough to be in that person for so long in these roles that I've had um, to just be able to listen and be there. And then to be honest, man, those folks when they get through it are your best people because they they will remember not necessarily what you said, but just that you were there that you were present, that you listened, that you gave them the time. Um, and, and to be honest, it's not even about you because you run as the leader, you're just so happy that they got through it because now you know where they can grow from and you kept them in your, 
in your culture, in your, in your company or whatever. And that's the piece to me. Like I've, I would never name names, but there's so many dozens of folks in my career within Marriott that I feel like we've had those conversations and they've stayed with the company in the midst of it. And now when I look back at them, they're like directors and, you know, folks, vice presidents. I can remember times where I'm like, oh my gosh, like, it's so awesome to see that. And, and to me, I don't care about the titles or the roles. Like I said that right now, it's more of just the fact that they stuck it out. They, you know, they, they, they found out who they were. They became more present with themselves. And, and for me, I just had this little part of, of, of that. And, and, um, and I think that if you're going through a struggle like that, sometimes you got to realize the type of leader that you have. Um, you can't lean on everyone that way. And so for me, I can't say that every leader is that way. You know, every leader is different. Like there's great leaders that don't do any of that. They have different styles. Um, but for me, that's the thing that I think really helps as a leader is just by, you know, giving them that extra time and, and really trying to do your best to listen and empathize and then get them some, get them the follow-up and get them, you know, give, give them what you, what anything that you have that can get them through that to make them more focused back on their, on the things that need that you need for business or, or, or whatever it is you're, you're working on. That's awesome. And, and Nate, I gotta, I gotta kind of come back to something you just said at the very end there. There are many different styles of leadership, but I'll, I'll tell you the style of leadership that you just described to me. That's the kind of leadership that not only blesses somebody to get the bottom line. That's fine. You know, that's good in, in business. We need that. We want that. That's great. Yeah. But you're describing a leadership that goes a much higher level. You're, you're describing a leadership that provides value in somebody's heart value in their life and worth. And, and it's a, it's a leadership beyond just work. It's a leadership to their spirit and, and their actual feelings towards themselves, right? Like I'm, I'm grateful to any leader that'll help me hit my goals at work. Like that's, I love that. I mean, that's, that's why I, I, you know, you ever, everyone gets excited when you can take home a fatter paycheck, if you will. But when I've got a leader that makes me feel better about myself and who I am and the, the, what I'm trying to be, um, and just that me as a person that I am worth it, that I am good, that I have a lot of abilities that make a difference and an impact that does, that does more for me, even in business sense, um, than anything else. And, and, and what you're describing as a leadership, um, where you literally are providing charity, you're, you're pausing, you're showing someone that you see them, you're, 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 and not because you have to as a Marriott leader or a leader in, in, in the army, but because that's who you are. That's your, per, that's your person. That's your spirit. You're seeing them soul to soul, heart to heart. You're trying to hear them um, empathetically and compassionately. That is what moves them. And, and, and just as you said that a lot of times it has nothing to do with business. It's dude, I got to talk to you about what's going on with my mom right now. I got to mm -hmm. talk to you about what's happening to my family right now. Mm -hmm. Providing that release for them all of a sudden frees them to like go and take off in the business setting. Right. And that, yeah. that, uh, that's a, uh, that's Christ. Like that's Christ like love, yeah. man. That's how yep. he led. And he had to take care of a lot of these other things as well, but that changes hearts and souls. And I think Nate, that's, that's why you are such a great leader is because you, 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 you help people feel their value 
essentially. You help people understand there's something very special about them. They may not even see it or understand what you're talking about, but I, but I, I know what you're talking about. And it's more eternal than I think this world can provide. And I think yeah. that is really cool. Um, cool. If, uh, I've, I've had you for a long time. Do you mind if I just ask you two more quick questions? Yep. Okay. I, my, awesome. My battery's getting low, Mike. Just yeah. want you to know. No, no, no. And, I, and I've had you for a long time, man. I'm, I, I apologize. But no, this no, been, no. It's been great. I love Thank this. You. I love this. Yeah, um, so, so last two questions. I always ask people, Nate, when I do podcasts with them, what, what is during the most difficult times for you, like soul stretching, challenging, overwhelming, whatever those times are, those, those moments where you've just felt like, God, I want to give up this. I hate what I'm doing right now. This, why is my life this way? We all have them. Um, what is the gift that was given to you in that moment that helped you see life as more beautiful? The work ethic. I think. So for me, it's, you know, a bad day, get your clothes ready for tomorrow morning, pack up your bag, get your lunch ready, make your salad, put it in the refrigerator, you know, get your coffee ready already and, and have it ready for the morning and prepare for the next day. Um, because I feel like you wake up in every, like right now, waking up this morning, it's just so beautiful. Couldn't, couldn't have asked for a better morning, uh, be, than to be talking to you and just, you know, we got up super early for this, right, Mike? And so for me, um, that is the deal. And so no matter the worst days, it's just preparing for the next day. And, and, and that has been the blessing that I don't know where it comes from, but for me, it's that work ethic. It's getting after it. Um, and, and it's just knowing that the next day you're going to make the impact and you're going to be able to try to write the things that didn't go right the day prior and, and, uh, and just continue on. So just keep showing up. Man, show that's up. awesome. Show up, yeah. just show up, right? That, yeah. So I had a, I have, a, I have a buddy that uh, runs an addiction program, and he would always tell people that were like borderline ready to end their lives. He'd say, "Give me one more day, give me another twenty-four, and and it's kind of like what you're saying. Show up, just prepare and show yeah. up for the next step, the next thing. Keep it going forward, even if it's slow, even if it feels like you're going through the deepest mud in the world, man." get ready, show up for that next step. Right. God, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Okay. Um, tell me about it. Like if you later on down the road, when, when your kids get to be a little bit older, tell me, tell me like, what would you say to them for their lives at the stage you're at right now, when they get a little bit older, maybe they're where you are in place. What's the message that, that Nate would say to their kids being your age right now? What would you tell kind of like, like the letter? Yeah. I remember you yeah. telling me about the letter. Yep. Um, that my dad wrote me. Yep. Yeah. That the letter that your dad wrote for you for later in life. Like if I was to do that today. Yeah. Um, I mean, gosh, Mike, I would say you just go back to this podcast. You could almost just like download all the words that you and I put back and forth. But I, I think it's just providing love, you know, and like never, I guess never letting never letting things get below love, you know, and like just keeping that in everything you do, you know, and just making sure that it resonates. And, um, I, I think it goes back to just always relying on your value system and, and, um, and just make the right decisions and, and, you know, of course, follow your dreams and do things that you, that you think you're supposed to be doing. But I think it's just continuing to provide love to, to, 
to everybody that you're around and, and everything that you do and just make sure you put that into it. And, um, you know, and there's a lot of tactics that get involved in that, you know, to make it good. But uh, I do feel like if that's your overarching lesson for me, that would be the thing that my dad would have given me and his dad gave him. And it's, you know, there's hard work involved into that. There's dedication. Um, there's probably blood, sweat and tears, especially in the industries that I know my kids will probably get into um, with probably service and to our country that I could see them doing in the future. But um, I think that at the end of the day, as long as that resonates back to uh, to kind of a cool, you know, love, I feel like they'll they'll be they'll they'll hit the mark, you know. Amen. Make make love your guiding tactic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun, man. Oh, Nate, you're a stud. I uh, I love you, brother. And you know, you've taught me a lot in in my life in our short short time serving together with Marriott, but like friendship forever. And, uh, I can't thank you enough for just who you are to me and the way that I look up to you because of, of the way you live your life. And, and I feel, I feel that love underlying everything that you do, even in a business setting, I feel that. And that's very important that there, there are people that serve that way and there are people that don't. And I feel it from certain people that do It's It's always that, that underlying tactic, if you will, there's love there. So, well, thanks Mike. Brother, thanks so much, and I uh, appreciate you joining me today, Nate. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Appreciate Great. what you're doing, brother. Talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. I would love to hear your feedback. You can subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast or any podcast platform you use. If you or someone you know has a delightful story to share that I need to talk to, please email me at come towards delight at gmail.com.